All right, well, if you would, go ahead and take your Bibles out with me. Let's turn one more time to 1 Samuel chapter 25. 1 Samuel chapter 25. As you're turning there, let me say a word of gratitude um, for just the kindness uh, from many of you the last several days of just asking uh, how we were doing and praying for us and the, the flowers that the church sent uh, after the passing of a Christian's <coughs> grandmother. And uh, she will certainly be, uh, uh, be dearly missed. She was a godly woman and uh, uh, a peacemaking woman. And uh, we will certainly uh, remember her fondly and look forward to the day we will see her again. And so we do thank you for uh, your kindness over the last uh, week. Last Sunday, we took a detour from our study of the book of Romans in order to draw attention to a godly woman in the pages of Scripture. Uh, each Mother's Day, we take some time to uh, be reminded of biblical womanhood and what biblical womanhood looks like. And on this occasion, two messages were just not quite enough for us to faithfully cover all of 1 Samuel 25 and draw all the lessons out of it that uh, I thought we ought to draw out of it. And so we're going to be back here this morning, 1 Samuel 25. Let me remind you what's going on where we left off. The air is thick with tension. We're 20 to 30 miles south of Jerusalem. It's shearing season. There's a wealthy fool named Nabal who received protection from David and his men while his sheep were grazing. And now that the time for shearing has come... Nabal refused to share any of the bounty with David. More than that, Nabal has greatly offended David. Nabal has treated David cruelly. And David has always been the kind of man who fought for God and let God fight for him. That is, so far in 1 Samuel, we've never seen David as a man fighting for his own name as a man fighting for his own reputation. His, his purpose in life was to fight for the glory of God. But here, instead of allowing God to take vengeance on Nabal for the cruel things that Nabal said, David has become incredibly angry. And at this moment, David and 400 of his men are on their way to Nabal's house, swords by their sides, ready to kill not only Nabal, but David has sworn that he will kill every male in Nabal's household. Rather than trusting the Lord, David is on his way to seek revenge, and he is about to commit a grave, grave sin. But there is a woman in this situation, a woman named Abigail. And Abigail is Nabal's wife. Having learned of how her husband treated David, and having now learned of the danger that her household is now in, she has urgently sent to David a gift of many items. And she herself has rushed to meet David, seeking to defuse the situation before her husband and the males of her household are killed. She is putting her own life at risk. And in this moment, as Abigail approaches David, 
There are lots of questions that ought to be going through our minds. Will Abigail survive? Will Nabal and his household be destroyed? Will David commit this great sin of vengeance that he seems so dead set on committing? Will there be bloodshed this day? And in the midst of this, we are learning from Abigail several characteristics of what a godly woman looks like. Now one way we can outline what we've seen and what we'll continue to see today is this. We are examining seven characteristics of a godly woman. Seven characteristics of a godly woman. We've already seen four last week, so let me just mention them very briefly to remind you what we've seen. Number one, we've seen that a godly woman is discerning. Is discerning. Look at verse 3. Verse 3. Now the name of his man of, of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife Abigail. The woman was discerning and beautiful, but the man was harsh and badly behaved. He was a Calebite. Abigail, unlike her husband, was a discerning woman. A woman of, of inner beauty. She understood important things. She was wise. She was not a fool. She was one perceptive, not only in practical matters, but in spiritual matters. Abigail was not a woman who lived on impulse, but she lived carefully. She lived considerately, seeking to do the wise thing. She was discerning, and that is the mark of a godly woman. Airheadedness is not true beauty. We should find nothing attractive about a woman who refuses to pursue knowledge and wisdom. A woman who refuses to have depth in her understanding of spiritual things. A woman of deep thought. A woman of knowledge, of understanding of wisdom. That is what every girl should aspire to be. And it is the kind of woman a godly man should seek to marry. Number two, a godly woman is bold and courageous. A godly woman is bold and courageous. We see this in verses 18 through 20 where Abigail takes action and risks her own life for the sake of her family. Going out to meet David like this was against the social norms of her day. And there was no guarantee that David in his anger would welcome her. Moreover, as we will see, Abigail was willing to take the guilt of her husband and place it on herself. She actually asked that David's wrath fall on her rather than her husband. That took boldness. That took courage. Yes, a godly woman is to be meek and mild, gentle and humble. All Christians are to be meek and mild, gentle and humble. But the godly woman also has a backbone of steel. She knows how to look a situation in the face and by God's grace, with God's help, do the right thing, no matter what the cost. A godly woman is not one who lives in fear and anxiety, stress or despair or timidity. She is like David going out to meet Goliath. She trusts God. She does what is necessary for the sake of her family. Number three, 
We saw last week that a godly woman has a fierce loyalty to her family. Has a fierce loyalty to her family. In fact, there is no evidence in these verses at all that Abigail ever took thought of herself as she rushed into action. She did not take time to consider whether this act might cost her her life. Rather, she seems consumed with one grand purpose, ensuring that her husband and his household remain unharmed. Throughout the scriptures, we see this truth taught, that a godly woman has a fierce loyalty to her family. Proverbs 31 celebrates the wife who does her husband good all the days of her life. Proverbs 31.12 She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. Strength and dignity are her clothing. She laughs at the time to come. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. So all throughout Proverbs 31 and other godly women of the Scriptures, we see that the godly woman is a family-oriented woman. Number four. A godly woman loves sacrificially. A godly woman loves sacrificially. Now, this is where we left off last week. We saw this modeled by Abigail in those two amazing verses. Verses 24 and 25. So look there with me again. Verses 24 and 25. She, Abigail, fell at his, David's, feet and said, on me alone, my Lord, be the guilt. Please let your servant speak in your ears and hear the words of your servant. Let not my Lord regard this worthless fellow, Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, your servant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. And so hear those first words again. On me alone, my Lord, be the guilt. Nabal was a fool, a wicked sinner. Honestly, a man who was worthy of a spear in his heart. Yet Abigail sacrificially put herself before David and asked that his guilt be placed upon her. Knowing how foolish her husband could be, she tried to shift the blame to herself. She said that had she known that the messengers were coming, she would have taken steps to make sure that they were better received. Though Nabal was the one at fault, Abigail sees only her own perceived sin. And to protect the husband she loves, a husband not worthy of her love, she places herself as the guilty party before David. A godly woman, just like our Savior, loves sacrificially. She gives of herself for the sake of those around her. And so that's where we are this morning. Let's pick up with three more qualities of a godly woman as we see what happens here in 1 Samuel 25. Let's pick up with her words to David in verse 26. Verse 26. Now then, my Lord, as the Lord lives... 
and as your soul lives, because the Lord has restrained you from blood guilt and from saving with your own hand, now then let your enemies and those who seek to do evil to my Lord be as Nabal. And now let this present that your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your servant. Stop there. Abigail here asks that David will receive the gift that she has prepared and forgive the wrong that was committed against him. She is seeking to quell David's anger at Nabal. And she says she desires for all of David's enemies that they all be as Nabal, that all David's enemies be like Nabal, mere fools. In other words, what Abigail is doing here is telling David not to worry about Nabal. For though he is cruel, he is harmless enough. Moreover, having tried to take the blame upon herself, she asked that she be forgiven for having not been there to receive the servants of David in a kinder way. What I especially want you to note, however, is verse 26, where Abigail tells David that it is the Lord who has restrained him from blood guilt and from saving with his own hand. She says it was the Lord who has kept David from responding wickedly like King Saul. And despite all of Saul's persecution of him, David has not responded wickedly to Saul. It is the same Lord who is now keeping David from getting to Nabal before Abigail reached him. Abigail is basically saying that she sees the hand of the Lord at work and that she is here by God's design to prevent him from committing this grave sin. And so here is our fifth characteristic of a godly woman. A godly woman has a high view of God's providence. A godly woman has a high view of God's providence. This is why the godly woman does not live in despair or anxiety, fear or stress. She knows that for good or for ill, God is working in all things. No matter how it may feel in the moment, good will come. She trusts God. She believes that His hand is ordering all for her good and the glory of His name. The godly woman does not believe in accidents. The godly woman does not believe in coincidences. She has a high view of God's providence that is an anchor that holds in the midst of the toughest storms of her life. In Abigail's case, she recognized that her actions were a part of God's sovereign plan. She was seeing that she was an instrument in His divine scheme to do David's soul good. And this is how all godly women ought to see themselves as instruments in God's hands. She desires to be useful to God in seeing His good plans for others come to fruition. Whether it be her family members, whether it be in her relationships with her friends or with other people, the godly women, godly women find it a delight to be used by God in His plans for good. So the question I have for all of us here is this. Do we, ourselves see ourselves as players in God's story? Is this our worldview? That this is not my world or your world. This is God's world. And that history is His story. And that we have roles to play, callings that He has given us. And our deep desire is to play a role that will bring glory to His name 
and blessing to others. This is a worldview that is a far cry from what most people have. Indeed, by nature, we tend to see ourselves at the center of the world. We know that's how we are as children. We think it all revolves around us, and it's real easy for us to keep that perspective as we grow into adulthood. In fact, most people try and squeeze God and His plans into their own plans and into their own purposes, into their own view of life. They hold the highest place in their own hearts and they love God only as long as God is useful to them fulfilling their own plans. The godly woman realizes that this world is not about her. It's about God. And in whatever station of life she finds herself, her cry is that God, that God will give her in some measure a role to play that will be useful to him and will bring glory to his name. She asked, how can I be a blessing? In fact, I wonder if that's a question you, each, you ask each day. Do you ask when you pray to God, dear God, how can I be a blessing in this day? What would you have me to do for your name? Let's continue reading in verse 28. Verse 28. Abigail is continuing to talk. Remember, this is the longest recorded speech of a woman in the Old Testament. She says in verse 28, Please forgive the trespass of your servant, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house, because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord, and evil shall not be found in you so long as you live. If men rise up to pursue you and to seek your life, the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living, in the care of the Lord your God. And the lives of your enemies he shall sling out as from the hollow of a sling. And when the Lord has done to my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you, and has appointed you prince over Israel, my Lord shall have no cause of grief or pangs of conscience for having shed blood without cause, or for my Lord working salvation himself. And when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember... Your servant. Unlike her husband Nabal, who refused to even acknowledge David, Abigail knows who he is. David is the next king of Israel, chosen by God, under God's care. In that moment, David had forgotten who David is. He had forgotten that, that he was the one chosen by God and that he was the one whom God had been protecting and providing for all this time. David has debased himself by getting so riled up by the simple words of this fool, allowing himself to have vengeance in his heart after all that God had done for him. And so Abigail simply reminds David of what God has already revealed to him, namely, that God is taking care of him, that God will take care of David's enemies, that God will make sure that David has a sure house, a royal lineage that will last forever. David, you do not need to take these matters into your own hands. Trust God. Do what He asks of you. Leave defending yourself to the Lord. He will be faithful. And we hear in Abigail's speech a sixth characteristic of a godly woman. Namely, a godly woman is a woman of faith. A woman of faith. She believes what God has revealed. She believes the promises of God. She knows them, and she cherishes them, and she holds fast to them. There are no maybes 
in this speech. There are no mites in this speech. God might do this. God may do this. No, it's God has revealed. He will do this. Abigail is reminding David of God's promises and she speaks of them with confidence, with surety. They will come true. They can be counted upon. David, stop what you're doing. God is faithful. Let me ask you, dear ladies, in our church family, do you believe the promises of God? Are they precious to you? Are you living like someone who believes the promises of God? In the situation that you find yourself, even on this Lord's day, are you trusting that He is working all for good? Are you trusting that He is with you? He has not forsaken you. Are you trusting that He puts no burden on you, that He will not give you the grace to bear? Are you trusting that He knows the aches of your heart even more than you know them, and that the, the most difficult moments of your life in this world will not compare with the glories that He is bringing to you? in the life to come. Do you know those promises? Do they bring you peace? Are you resting in them? Are you a woman of faith? Test yourself. Believing the promises of God will get you through the toughest days of your life. Believing the promises of God will give you an unshakable peace and will make you a blessing to others. Our world needs strong women. And a strong woman is one who rests on the promises of God, roots deep into His truth. Do you believe that the Lord Jesus is coming again? Do you believe that each and every one of your sacrifices are not in vain? They are seen by Him. Do you believe that He hears your prayers that they are an incense burning before Him, a pleasant aroma pleasing to Him. Do you believe that by faith in Jesus, all of your sins are forgiven and that you're going to be with Jesus in heaven forever? Are those promises so precious to you? Last week we sang Amazing Grace and so often people forget that verse They overlook that verse that I find to be one of the most precious of the song. It says, The Lord has promised good to me. His word my hope secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. The Lord has promised good to me and His word my hope secures. God said it. It's going to happen. I believe it. I rest in that. That's where I find my security. That's where I find my peace. And then the seventh quality of a godly woman seen here in the speech of Abigail is that a godly woman is willing to speak the truth. A godly woman is willing to speak the truth. Notice how tactful Abigail is here. She manages to speak to David both with humility and yet with boldness. She speaks in a way that encourages David while at the same time gently reproving David for the way that he's acting. She points David to the truths of God. Abigail, in this moment, is a fountain of wisdom for David. Dear ladies, I would simply ask of you, are you a fountain of wisdom to those around you in your life? When you open your mouth, 
Is it God-honoring truth that pours forth? When your friends bring to you a difficult situation, how do you respond? Do you respond with the wisdom of this world? Or do you respond with the wisdom of God? Could the advice you give be given by an unbeliever? Or is the advice you give the kind of advice that can only come from one who truly knows the Lord Jesus Christ? It is out of the heart that the mouth speaks. So whatever you have in your heart will determine what comes out of your mouth. Do you long to be a fountain of wisdom to those around here? Wives, do you long to be faithful helpmates to your husbands? Do you want to be ready to give a truthful word, a helpful word when he comes to you for counsel and advice? Mothers, are your children being taught true paths of righteousness day by day? A godly woman speaks the truth. She knows it. She loves it. It's in her heart and it comes out of her mouth. Here, Abigail, tactfully, with humility and yet with boldness, speaks the truth to David. Husbands, a wife who knows how to speak truth to us when we are about to act rashly and wickedly is a great treasure. Proverbs 25, 12 says, Like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. So husbands, we should learn to listen to our wives. They know us well. And often their gentle admonishments can keep us from sin. Now, let's quickly work our way through the rest of this chapter to see how the story ends. Notice that Abigail asked David to remember her when her words proved true. When David comes to his throne, she wants him to remember how he was saved from shedding blood needlessly and to remember that it was her that God used to keep him from doing so. Now it's interesting because in those days there was very little a king could do specifically for the wife of another man without being improper. And so most commentators tell us that when Abigail says to David, remember me when these things come true, what she's actually asking for is his blessings as king upon Nabal and the household, that they would not be unduly punished, but rather that they would be esteemed when he comes to the throne. Now look at David's response. Hear how David responds to this speech. Verse 32. And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion, and blessed be you, who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation with my own hand. For as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, who has restrained me from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to meet me, truly by morning there had not been left to Nabal so much as one male. Then David received from her hand what she had brought him. And he said, to, he said to her, Go up in peace to your house. See, I have obeyed your voice, and I have granted your petition. So David now responds not with anger, but with a change of heart. He blesses God for sending Abigail his way. David had a high view of the providence of God. David blesses Abigail's discretion, 
her good understanding that allowed her to speak so wisely and so persuasively to him. David blesses Abigail for her courage, her bravery, and being willing to approach him this way. David tells her that she may go up in peace to her house. And this is what Abigail has been, a peacemaker. Here was a great conflict between two men, a conflict that was about to get very bloody. And Abigail took courageous action, humbled herself, was willing to sacrifice herself, and she spoke the truth in love. And in the end, God used her to bring peace. Now, I don't know what kind of a conflict you might be involved in at this moment in your life, but I would encourage you to take note of those principles. She took courageous action. She did not hide from the conflict. She humbled herself. She did not look only to her own interests. She was willing to sacrifice herself in order to bring peace to those around her. She spoke the truth. And she spoke the truth gently, kindly, tactfully, in love. Could it be that there's a situation right now in your life which needs just such action from you? Remember, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons or the daughters of God. Our God is a peacemaker, and His children should reflect that. Our God loves peace, and so should we. Now, look at verses 36 through 42. Growing up, I... uh, well, of where we lived in Northampton, I'm probably, I'm going off my notes. I should never go off my notes. It never ends well. When I was in Northampton County growing up as a little boy, we only picked up one radio station. Back then it was Oldies 100.7. And uh, you, you can ask Crystal and she'll tell you, up until I was 14 or 15, I thought Beach Boys was modern, contemporary, what everybody was listening to. It was all I, all I knew. And, um, but anyway, they used to always have Paul Harvey on there. He would say, and now the rest of the story. So, That's what I was tempted to say as we came here. I shouldn't have gone there. Okay. Verse 36. Verse 36. And Abigail came to Nabal. And behold, he was holding a feast in his house like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunk. So she told him nothing at all until the morning light. In the morning, when the wine had gone out of Nabal, his wife told him, told him these things, and his heart died within him, and he became as a stone. And about ten days later, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. He stopped there. Remember that this whole conflict arose because this was a feast day, And David was trying to provide for his men on the feast day. Nabal, being a wealthy man with much to spare, refused to give to David what David rightfully should have received. And what do we find that Abigail finds when she returns home to her husband? He is feasting with a feast like a king. In other words, he has more than enough food for him. More than enough for him and his servants. He's indulging deeply. He had plenty to give to David. It was his selfishness, his greed that kept him from doing so. 
And now he is so drunk that Abigail cannot even share with him what has just happened, how his life has just been saved. And so she has to wait till the next morning when the drunkenness is worn off. And then she shares the news with him. And we're told that when he heard the news, his heart died within him and he became as a stone. Now, whenever we read things like this in the Bible, commentators immediately begin to guess what was it that happened to him. And uh, one of the most common arguments that the commentators make is that God caused him to have a stroke in this moment. That what he suffered was a stroke. Whatever it was, Nabal was brought very low. And ten days later, God took his life. It's interesting, because if you'll remember, when David's men first approached Nabal, they came to him with a blessing of peace. Blessings upon you, Nabal. Nabal responded wickedly, and God brought the opposite of peace upon him. And so now, godly Abigail is a widow. What will become of Abigail? Well, let's see in verses 39 through 42. Look in verse 39. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord, who has avenged the insult I received at the hand of Nabal, and has kept back his servant from wrongdoing. The Lord has returned the evil of Nabal on his own head. Then David sent and spoke to Abigail to take her as his wife. And when the servants of David came to Abigail at Carmel, they said to her, David has sent us to you to take you to him as his wife. And she rose and bowed with her face to the ground and said, Behold, your handmaid is a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. And Abigail hurried and rose and mounted a donkey, and her five young women attended her. She followed the messengers of David and became his wife. This is a fitting way for us to close by seeing the faithfulness of God, that God was faithful to David, that David, because of Abigail's words, had a change of heart. He left vengeance in God's hands, and God indeed defended David's name. We see that God was faithful to Abigail, that she loved and sacrificed for a wicked man, and in the end, her love brought her into the path of the king of Israel. In God's providence, Abigail was brought out from under the authority of a fool and into union with a man she respected and was eager to serve. Ladies, all of us here, take note of this. God is faithful. Whatever burdens are upon you this morning, trust Him. Do your best to follow His will. In the end, He will be faithful to you. Things will work out for your good. Trust God. Depending on the Lord Jesus Christ, do your best to do what His will calls for you to do, and He will be faithful. He will call all to work for good. Why? Well, in the end, it's because of the blood of Jesus Christ shed at the cross for our sins. Christ purchased God's favor for you. Christ has brought God's mighty, sovereign, faithful love upon you. This is why, dear Christian, you can leave this morning with hope in your chest 
and a song in your mouth. If there are any here who are not trusting the Lord Jesus, let me urge you to do so. It is only through Christ that God can become your God and the faithful God He is to His children. It is only through Christ that you can receive not only the forgiveness of your sins, but the grace to be a different kind of person. A kind of woman like Abigail or a man like David. Choosing to follow Christ is serious and we must count the cost. It does mean turning from your sins. It does mean turning from being the master of your own life. But once you've seen what a Savior Christ is, what a Lord He is, how can you not desire to have Him as your own? I pray that each of us will be a godly man, a godly woman, and that we will know that it begins by trusting in our Lord Jesus Christ.